This is episode 45 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode 45 of Ethics and Culture Cast from Notre Dame's DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, the communications specialist at the center. In this episode, we chat with Anya Renkis, an undergraduate Soren Fellow of the class of 2020. As she and her classmates graduate, we talk about how the Soren Fellows program has had an impact on her personal and academic formation, the life lessons she learned as a member of the varsity rowing team, and what she discovered while traveling in Ireland on her senior thesis research project. Let's head into the chat room for this delightful conversation. Well, Anya, thank you so much for socially distancing and interviewing in this chat today. Ken, thank you for having me. This is such a joy. So tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, where did you grow up? The, those sorts of things. I was born in Washington, D.C., and... When I was five years old, my family moved to Alaska, where we spent about a year, year or two or so. And then we moved to Seattle, Washington, where I spent most of my childhood and went to high school and learned to row, which is what brought me to Notre Dame. And the second I graduated from high school, we packed up um, from Seattle and moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is where we currently live uh, most of the time. So it's been a real gift to experience a lot of different places and to have such a wonderful family. Well, now you made reference to choosing Notre Dame because of rowing. Uh, so mm-hmm. tell us a bit about that. How did you choose Notre Dame? And then tell us about rowing because you're on the varsity rowing team or you have been. I am. I have been. Um, rowing is the reason that I learned about Notre Dame, to be honest, which is embarrassing to say now <laughs> as a proud, a proud graduate of Our Lady's University. Um, but I had no idea what it was. And I had never seen Rudy and I, I, we rarely watched Notre Dame football. And my, I have four cousins, um, who all played, or three cousins who played Division One football. And so we were Stanford fans and Indiana fans and UVA fans until I came to Notre Dame. And so I, I caused quite the splash in our, our group of cousins when I, when I chose to roll for Notre Dame. But it was an absolute gift of, of God um, that led me there because at the time I, I would not have probably considered the school. And so I think I chose to row for Notre Dame because of a really beautiful conversation that I had with the coaching staff before I decided to sign. One of the coaches told me at the time that there are three pillars as Notre Dame varsity athletes and particularly on the women's rowing team. And the first is faith. The second is family, and the third is sport. And so that was really profound to be welcomed by a coaching staff that was so committed to, I think, a rightly ordered pursuit of, of greatness as, a, as an athletics team. So that was an incredible gift. And at the time, I really didn't know what I was looking for in pretty much any way. So <laughs> I knew I was attracted to the, the beauty of, of God, and I was learning and growing very rapidly. Um, and so I was attracted to the idea that I could grow closer with God in ways that I didn't know how to articulate or didn't, couldn't identify at the time. But 
I knew that I needed it and that was pretty much it. So <laughs> Notre Dame seemed like a good place to go so I could grow um, and in my faith and as a human being. Well, now, so what did you study uh, at Notre Dame and what have been some of the highlights of your of your time on campus? I spent about a semester or two in the sciences and pretty quickly discerned that I was not given the gifts that are necessary to <laughs> succeed in organic chemistry or physics. And so it was a really special and really hard um, time of humbling and kind of coming to terms with those things and facing the unknown in a pretty big way for the first time in my life almost. Yeah, so I was really transformed by my first theology class at Notre Dame with Professor Katie Cavadini, um, who is a wonderful human being and an exceptional teacher and professor. And so as we studied Genesis and the Enuma Elish, if I'm saying that right, I hope so. <laughs> I should know by now. <laughs> but I decided to make my my theology or my major at Notre Dame um, theology. And so I declared that sometime around the end of sophomore year. And at the time at the time I'd also started studying Irish language to fulfill my language requirement. And with that introduction to the Irish Studies Department, absolutely fell in love with the faculty and just the incredible um, resource that we have on campus in the Irish Studies Department. Um, and so I picked up an Irish Studies minor around that time. And I think junior year, um, at the very beginning, I started to realize that all of these things for me are connected through my my art brain <laughs> and uh, I started to learn to to love the way my brain works instead of wish that I could do math more quickly or <laughs> um, <laughs> other skills that I had kind of failed at so far in college I kind of learned that well maybe the way that I think about things could actually be useful if I approach it from a different uh, from a different angle or um, just kind of learn to receive myself and to receive God's mercy um, in these departments. So I think mercy and accepting my more natural gifts as an artist as something that can integrate my academic pursuits and, and assist them really helped me to discover kind of where I was, where God was leading me at the time. And I think where I'm headed now, um, as far as I can tell, which is <laughs> still an absolute mystery in every moment. So it's, it's exciting. <laughs> but at the conclusion of my time at Notre Dame, I have picked up a theology major, a bachelor's of arts in theology, an Irish studies minor, and a studio art minor. Um, wow. As well as then your work on the water. Yes. Yes. We've we've certainly spent a, a good amount of time on the good old St. Joe. Um, <laughs> the mighty St. Joe, we as we call it. The mighty St. Joe. <laughs> yeah. How was your time in sports? Tell us about that. My time in athletics was incredibly formative. And really, one of the greatest challenges of my life for which I'm very grateful. And I think the most important part of my experience in athletics was being exposed to moments where I had never felt so maybe, maybe empty or daunted um, by the training that we undertook together. And so this, this regular and routine <laughs> having to just show up every single day, no matter what, with other girls and with the support of our amazing coaching staff. Um, it was 
really transformative for me and helped me spiritually and academically. One of our sports administrators at one point <laughs> gave us this wonderful talk holding her newborn child at the very beginning of our season. She said, sometimes you just have to eat the frog in the morning. <laughs> you just got to do it. You just got to wake up and eat the frog. And then everything else just falls in place after you decide to get the hard thing done first. And so I think rowing routinely just drove this into us. If you could complete some of the workouts that we were doing and you lived, <laughs> you weren't as daunted by <laughs> your chemistry exam or whatever other challenge or sickness or event that maybe caused like grief or like discomfort or just any kind of challenge that life throws at us. I think it really prepared me just to process those moments of shock with a little bit more willingness to receive God's grace in the moment. And so I think rowing taught me my absolute dependence on God and so routinely that it helped me start to approach other areas of my life, that openness to God's assistance and awareness of my need, I think. Well, now, how did you first get connected with the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture? I... I'm so grateful for how I got connected with the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. And I love that for me, it was through a person. And I think that's what it's all about with the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. So Emily Normand, uh, a lovely Soren fellow and fellow graduating senior, she stopped me in the hallway and said, Anya, there's this thing happening right now called the Fall Conference. And it's run by the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. And you should be a Soren Fellow, by the way, if you don't know what that is. And so I looked it up when I, at the end of the day when I was sitting at my computer and was just so intrigued and excited about this special group that I could apply to be a part of. And so, yeah, that's how I first heard about wow. it. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> well, what have been some of your highlights uh, as a Soren Fellow? Highlights as a Soren Fellow. This is a difficult question to answer because there are so many things. We could be here for a while. I have been just encouraged and assisted and, and seen, I think, in ways that are so profound by the staff at the Nicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I think some of my favorite, my by far my favorite part of my experience as a Soren Fellow are my relationships with the staff and just the way they have seen me as a whole person and very carefully and and I mean that like carefully, like they, they do everything with such an intentionality and love and like expectancy of grace that it's just no, it's no wonder that they affect such beautiful change and development in the lives of the students that they work with. And so I think by far, number one thing is the, the wonderful staff. And then the second highlight of being a Soren Fellow for me was having the opportunity to apply for funding to support me in my research. At the beginning of my junior year, I had the great gift and pleasure to be enrolled in a class with a visiting fellow with the Keonocton Institute for Irish Studies, and his name is Father Michal McCraw. He and I talked for hours about beauty and how beauty would save the world, and at the time I had just read The Brothers Karamazov <laughs> for the first time, and so I was really interested in this idea that we are drawn to God naturally and we are made and created for God. And so this is reflected in our desires and what we are attracted to. 
And so I'm really interested. And at the time I was trying to understand, okay, well, what is beauty and how is this reflected in the, the rich tradition of our, our faith and our church? And I was also at the time taking a class with Dr. Timothy O'Malley. It was called Performing Beauty, in, in which we got to explore the role of art in the liturgy and in the traditions of our Catholic faith. And so all these dots are being connected for me as an artist. And I just, I couldn't get enough of like Balthazar and this idea that Christ is the form of beauty. And so all of the things that we are attracted to um, are inspired by this primary desire for God and attraction to Christ. And so I didn't know where this was leading me, but this is ultimately what inspired the the direction of this research project that integrated um, Irish studies, art, and theology. And so Father Michal had this wonderful idea that as a landscape painter at the time, I kind of pegged myself as a landscape painter because I didn't know how to paint anything else. And so that seemed like a good way to go. And he said, okay, well, you love landscapes. There are these beautiful pilgrimage sites in Ireland, all over the place, in people's backyards, down the street, like in these fields, just pretty much wherever you go, you'll find at least one, and they're called holy wells. And so we started researching, and I started trying to figure out, is this possible? Like, is it is this compelling? Should I go and try to make this project about going to Ireland to research these pilgrimage sites, photograph them, and then ultimately paint them? And would this be a compelling ministry or could this function as like a a sign of this beauty that would ultimately reveal something about people's longing for God. This was the inspiration for the project and at the time I had no idea where it was headed but God took care of it and I ultimately made it to Ireland and was able to travel and research for about two months and during the month of field research, I got to go around to 26 different holy wells all over the country from the East Coast to the West Coast to the South and photograph for reference images. And so along the way, I, I was really shaped by all of the different and unexpected challenges of traveling on my own in some cases and then um, learning kind of on the fly these skills that I needed as a as an aspiring artist and as a just a young person and so it was a great gift to be able to have this have this experience and when I came home I I still didn't really know what the what the primary message was and I I, I throughout my experience was overwhelmed by one thing that I kept encountering and so it seemed significant and it seemed like something that could be the glue that was bringing all these different pieces of my experience together into some kind of message that I wanted to present in my artistic work. And so the first movement was this notion that we must learn to receive <laughs> and to receive simply um, God's mercy. And, and I think that through this really challenging experience of traveling by myself and learning skills on the fly and kind of getting outside of my comfort zone, I was first incredibly aware of my dependence and my need for God. And so this was ultimately what I learned from my travels. And as I was writing and synthesizing all of my work, when I returned to Wyoming at the end of the summer, this is the main upshot. How do we receive mercy? Okay, how do these holy wells 
demonstrate this beautiful simplicity in Irish culture, this awareness of dependence, humble Catholic popular piety, where people come, pray together, and recognize their need and ask God and, and thank God. And so the prayers that are prayed in these places are often so connected with this, this recognition of need and praise that that seemed to be connected with my experience and my kind of personal reflection throughout my trip. And so I sought to communicate in my writing and initial paintings of these places, the humility demonstrated in these places of Catholic popular piety and prayer. And so it was a real gift for me to be able to contemplate and engage with this human longing and just to make the longing for God that people express in these humble material ways very visually apparent in the in the paintings and I hope that that they accomplish that and some of the ways that I I attempted to do this um, were to emphasize the way people have physically interacted with the landscape in their prayer and so in some cases in my research I discovered that if someone didn't have a rosary, they would pick up stones and maybe drop a stone after every decade was finished when they were walking clockwise around a holy well, praying the rosary and spending time with Our Lady. Um, I just was so delighted to learn that for the first time. I thought that was awesome. That reminded me of something my brother and I would do like on the beach in Alaska. Like, Not that we necessarily were old enough to know how to pray the rosary, but we just the, this idea that humans, like we interact with things because we're embodied and we, re- we require that as part of our human development. And I think I would imagine that our Heavenly Father delights in that. And so it's just so beautiful in its simplicity. So now that you're graduating, um, what's next for you? So Ken, now that I'm graduating, I am working for a wonderful artist in Wyoming named Catherine Turner. And I am working as her intern as we prepare and plan and execute um, an upcoming exhibition. And it will open on um, June 15th. And the exhibition is devoted to paintings of flowers. And her mission is to provide and share art that uplifts the spirit. And so to be connected with Catherine and now to be able to learn from her as her intern has been an incredible gift and joy. Wow. Well, congratulations on graduating. Congratulations on on a beautiful project. And of course, we'll have links to pieces written about your time in Ireland. The College of Arts and Letters did a lovely piece about that. We'll share that. Um, And then also we'll link to your Instagram feed so that people can see photos and some of your art as well. So Anya, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for your time, Ken. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you and congratulations to Anya Renkis. You will find links to the College of Arts and Letters story about her research project and to her social media accounts where you can view some of her paintings of the Holy Wells in the show notes. Subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast so that you can always get the latest episodes by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. We would love your feedback. Please review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and email your suggestions to cecpodcast at nd.edu. Our theme music is I Don't Know by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions. Good decisions.